Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was so cool. I think you're so talented. Social media is only positive with Zigazoo, the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. In Zigazoo, all community members are verified kids like yours, and all content is fully human moderated. Try out Zigazoo this spring break. Download the Zigazoo app today. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. You found primetime action with Gil Alexander and Matt Brown on VSIN, the sports betting network. A good Wednesday to you. It is VSIN's primetime action live from Las Vegas. Last show in quarantine for me, Gil Alexander, Matt Brown, and Kelly Bidlin at the mothership at the South Point. Uh, good show tonight here, Super Bowl week. Uh, we got JVT to talk some NBA with us. Jonathan Von Tobel, our senior NBA analyst. All these shenanigans going on on the lead up to the NBA trade deadline. Reed Fowler from DraftKings to talk Super Bowl 56 and golf. Phoenix Open this weekend. We'll talk to him about that. And Joe Theismann, ladies and gentlemen, on the show to talk Super Bowl 56 with us. One of us is more excited than the other two. I'll let you guess who. Matt, we start out with some hockey and basketball, though. Over in the NBA, we do have one tip going down right now. we got the Spurs and the Cavs. Cavs are five and a half to six point home favorites over the Spurs. Total of 217 up to 218. Bulls and the Hornets at 7.30 Eastern, 4.30 Pacific. The Bulls are point and a half to two point. Road favorites over the Hornets, 2.30, and a half to 2.38. Is your total 8 Eastern, 5 Pacific? We've got the Raptors and the Thunder. The Raptors are 10 and a half point road favorites over the Thunder. 204, 204 and a half is your total. 10 Eastern, so we got a nice little nice little delay there before the next tip. We got 10 Eastern, 7 Pacific. We got the Lakers and the Blazers. The Lakers are 8 to 8 and a half point road favorites over the Blazers. 221 and a half all the way to 222 and a half your total. 10 Eastern, 7 Pacific, the Warriors and the Jazz. The Jazz are point and a half home favorites over the Warriors. 227 to 228 is your total. And then 10 Eastern, 7 Pacific. We have the Timberwolves and the Kings. The Wolves are eight-point road favorites over the Kings. 234.5 is your total over on the ice. We have one face-off right now, Red Wings and Flyers. The about a coin flip, Flyers slightly shaded as home favorites. They're minus 115, minus 105 on the Red Wings as Road underdogs, 8 Eastern, 5 Pacific, the Predators and the Stars. That also a coin flip, 110 on both sides there. Blackhawks and Oilers coming at you at 8 Eastern, 5 Pacific. The Oilers are minus 180 home favorites over the Blackhawks, plus 155 for the Blackhawks as road underdogs. At 9.30 Eastern, 6.30 Pacific, we have the Knights and the Flames. Flames, about minus 135 home favorites. You can find plus 115 on the Knights as road underdogs there. 
10 Eastern, 7 Pacific. We have the Coyotes and the Kraken. How are the Kraken favored minus 225 in this thing? Is Coyotes not even – Are they? is this the Junior League team, Kelly? The, the, yeah, they're not good. All reports say they're not good. This I, is the Junior League team, apparently, that they're playing. I believe the yes price is off the board for them to make the playoffs. All the Coyotes are over at the Olympics is what's going on. And this is the junior – this is the backup squad for the Coyotes. Minus 225 on the Kraken, plus 190 on the Coyotes as road underdogs, and then 10.30 Eastern, 7.30 Pacific, the Islanders and the Canucks. The Islanders are minus 130 road favorites, plus 110 on the Canucks as home underdogs. The best part, I still say that I maintain the best part of the whole Kraken, Matt Brown thing, is that he doesn't see it coming up on the schedule until yes. the last second. <laughs> it shows how, it just how loses his mind. Every show, Gil, it shows and the, the preparation. <laughs> Hold on, guys. Are we, are, are, we, are we trying to say that I'm not familiar with the NHL schedule every night? I mean, no, I'm That's on top a, yeah. of this. I know weeks in advance uh, the NHL Gil, schedule. I, Gil, I also like that the, the joke is that, that he doesn't like the Kraken, yet like he could, right. bet, he could bet what the Coyotes at play. Plus 190 tonight or something. There's obviously no consideration of him doing that. It's the junior None team. Whatsoever. No, nobody on the ice for them is over 14 years old tonight. I cannot <laughs> bet on the. I cannot bet on that team. I can't uh, do it. Back to the NBA for a second. Uh, trade deadline is tomorrow. Yesterday we had both the CJ McCollum trade and the DeMontis Sabonis trades, and they were kind of like you know meh in the end because of the nature of the teams involved. Uh, can I try this one on size for you, gentlemen? The uh, Jazz. Uh, they're acquiring guard, uh, excuse me, Nikhil Alexander-Walker from Portland and the Spurs' Wancho Hernan Gomez in a three-way deal, sources tell ESPN. The Spurs get guard Tomas Sadoransky. Remember, he was involved in the trade yesterday as well, and a second-round pick. And the Blazers get Joe Ingles, Elijah Hughes, and a second-round pick. Does that su- Does that shock you at all? I mean, I guess this is just the Jazz going for it, right? I mean, like this is this is them saying, "Okay, look, we're we feel like we have a chance to do this." Ingles is done, so he's yeah, not going to help him for the year. Yeah, so, so I mean, yeah, he's out yeah. for the year, which you got to keep in mind for sure. Yeah, so he's done. So I guess this is them saying, "Look, we can't we can't waste this opportunity." We actually think that maybe this the, the West is a little bit more. I mean, they might think it's a little more vulnerable than we do. And look, they're making moves where some of these other teams aren't or and or can't, right? And so. Um, you know, you bring in you you bring in Alexander Walker. I mean, that's a that's a nice little pickup for them. A guy that's certainly going to be able to contribute. Well, I think the the other part about it is it's one of those. It helps now, but for the future as well, right? It helps you get younger, and and it's hard to pick up young quality pieces like that. You know, in the NBA today, and I love Joe Ingles. I, I mean, he is. I, probably a top 10 favorite player of mine in the league. And it, uh, he, he he's not going to be sitting there for long. I don't think we're going to see him in a Portland Blazers uniform, maybe ever. Uh, I would think if that team's rebuilding and going younger, Joe Ingles is not a guy that really makes sense for what they're trying to do up there in Portland. Uh, but, yeah, I think it's it makes things interesting, at least with Utah, because, uh, I mean, look, Alexander Walker's a guy with a ton of talent that I don't think we've nearly seen the best of yet in the NBA. And so. you've got, uh, you got, you get Hernan Gomez, who can go in and uh, get you six fouls, you know, so like, right. you can just put him in and he can, he can foul somebody six times and give uh, Rudy Gobert a breather, you know, and like, so yeah, that's, that's, that's what you get right there. 
I understand your uh, injury situation, Joe Ingles. Thanks for nothing over the years on that. Uh, maybe the Jazz, as you said, Matt, maybe they think it's a little more attainable uh, than I do in this one, but they're going for it. Good for them. The The one thing I do want to get back to is something I asked last night. I asked, what's the possibility of a Harden-Simmons thing happening? Matt, I believe your quote was less than 0%. Brian Windhorst comes out today and say, Harden wants this to happen mucho, big time. Are you going over 0% now? I still say 0 because I don't think the Nets are going to have the assets to give it up. I mean, like, cause it's, it's going to take more than it's going to take more than just Harden. Like, I mean, they're, they're not going to do that trade, you know, straight up or whatever. I mean, again, this is one of those things where Harden could be on the Harden could be on the wrong side of, of his career arc here with everything. I think that they want, I think they're going to want too much in all of this. And I don't think the Nets are going to even have the assets in order to be able to give to, to pull this off. So um, I don't know. I mean, again, maybe it's, maybe it went from sub zero to 3% or something or 5%. Yes. You know, I just don't, out of I just don't know if there's, I just don't know if they'll have the assets, Kelly, when it's all, when well, it all comes I down to I think the money matches. Okay. I was looking at that yesterday. I mean, it's the net side of it. It's a little heavier on the, on the net side of it. So the question has been how much are, how much are the Sixers going to want to give up on top of Ben Simmons and then is their fit for roster-wise with the Nets um, to take on multiple players for one? So I, I, I don't know. I mean, look, if, if Harden wants out of there that badly, that's – I mean, I will be running, running to the phone to bet the Sixers if that if this ends up happening. Having said that, I do think it's a fair question to say, you know – it, we talked about this last night, but is it is it just that time for James Harden? Like, is he is he kind of getting over, getting a little too old? And th- well, that's what we're seeing. So there's that, and then there's also this whole deal of if you're the Sixers, do you look at this and then look at Harden and go, man, is this the guy we really want to bring in here? I mean, so this would now be the second time that Harden has tried to force his way out of a situation. I mean, he did it in Houston, and then here it is in in Brooklyn, and and. You know, in theory, the Brooklyn situation was supposed to be exactly what he wanted. Go in, a super team, you know, go try to win championships or something. And then so now it it would be screaming to get out of, of, of two teams in a few years here for Harden. So if you're the 76ers and you believe that you've got a nice little, and you know, like you like Maxie, I like Maxie, you've got Embiid, you got whatever you think you've got all that, is is Harden the guy you want to bring in? I mean, that's probably a decision they're probably that they're having. I mean, this is a discussion they're probably having right this second, so, right? So I think yeah. that I think that's a fair point, but at the same time, we're talking about trading. You're trading Ben Simmons, who you don't even have on the court right now, right? It's giving up. Sure, it might be a risk, but what are you even? What are you risking right now? For? Well, yeah, I mean, I guess it's if you feel like you have to make that move. This year, I mean, they'll they'd move him in the offseason one way or the other, and would be and in theory, you would think be able to have a choice of you know more players and and more options and stuff and things like that. So that's probably what they're what they're weighing right now, you know, and figuring out if the if the juice is worth the squeeze. See, I don't think Daryl Morey has any hesitation whatsoever. I think if he's able to do this, he is in love with James Harden. I think he will do this in a heartbeat uh, if, in fact, it moves along here over the course of the next 24 hours. A few NFL notes. Um, the NFL says the Washington commanders first time out of my mouth on this show, <laughs> Washington commanders hiring of an investigative firm will not stop the league from conducting its own inquiry into Tiffany Johnston's allegations of sexual harassment against team owner, Dan Snyder to that. I say, man, I hope you're telling the truth. NFL, uh, the NFL itself has decided that it will play one game a year in Germany for each of the next four years. 
one game a year in Germany for the next four years. will also play a game in Mexico this coming year in 2022. So the NFL still thinking global doesn't matter what the, uh, what it what roadblocks or what challenges are in the way. They are just determined to make the national football league, a global sport. And then finally related to super bowl 56, uh, Bengals head coach, Zach Taylor, says that tight end C.J. Uzoma, he with the MCL injury, uh, though he didn't practice today, he should tomorrow. He calls it optimistic, or he, he sounds optimistic about C.J.'s progress. At least that's a quote from Zach Taylor. Remember uh, Uzoma famously flinging the old brace off Mondays uh, during Monday's pep rally. Then he lapped the stadium to high fives. Uh, maybe he shouldn't have done that, but, you know, maybe stay <laughs> off the knee a little. Uh, you think in his plan is that is would this yeah, be trending and, positively? Yeah, and according to Schefter, it does not look very good for Higby on the Ram side, which actually, which actually I think is a bigger deal than most people will probably make of it. You know, I mean, he was a he was a reliable kind of move the sticks guy for Matthew Stafford over the middle of the field, and it, it according to Schefter, it does not look promising for him. JVT is next. Let's talk about this NBA trade and more. It's Beeson's primetime action. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. Oh, it's such a clutch pickup, Dave. I know, right? I was worried we'd bring back the same team. Oh, no, I meant those blackout motorized shades. MVP of the room. Blinds.com made it crazy affordable to replace our old blinds. Hard to install? No, it's easy. Even you could do it. Nice. I installed these and then got some for my mom, too. What, you fly across the country to do the install? Nope. Blinds.com can do it all. All she had to do was pick what she wanted. She talked to a design consultant for free and scheduled a professional measure and install. Look at you, Hall of Fame son. Oh, I just picked the winning team. They're the number one online retailer of custom window coverings in the world. Oh, Blinds.com is the GOAT. The GOAT. He shoots. He scores. Go to Blinds.com for 40% off site-wide and a 100% satisfaction guarantee. Go right now for 40% off site-wide at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. You are looking live at primetime action with Gil Alexander and Matt Brown on VSIN, the sports betting network. Do you have questions about betting the Super Bowl? If you do, and you're wondering perhaps about how to hedge, maybe you're just looking for an unusual prop or insights from one of our many hosts. Well, the VEASAN Big Game Help Desk is here for you. Submit your questions at VEASAN.com slash Super Bowl, and it can be answered by our experts on air or on VEASAN.com. That's at VEASAN.com slash Super Bowl, the VEASAN Big Game Help Desk, which I believe uh, right now Dan Burke is behind the desk right now, if I'm not mistaken. Is that correct, Kelly? Dan no? Burke with like six phones. Yeah, he's just, yeah, he's just, just answering them all. Trying to pick them up. Hold, please. Yes. If you Hold, want please. Dan's direct number, just uh, just text Kelly. I mean, just uh, just tweet Kelly, and you will, we'll give you his direct line, and you can just call him or text him at your convenience. <laughs> uh, what an interesting evening that would be for Danny Burke tonight. Yes. <laughs> 
Uh, ladies and gentlemen, he's our senior NBA analyst. He's also the co-host of The Edge, which he does with Matt Humans here weekdays at VEASAN. At me, JVT, is where you can find him on Twitter. It's Jonathan Von Tobel. How you doing, JVT? I'm good. Rumor is that Danny's also answering the phones with like an old-timey 1920s voice. Like, hey, VEASAN help desk. How can I get you? Yeah. <laughs> Why? What do you need from me? <laughs> I would love that. That would be awesome. All right, JVT, the Jazz make a move. They get uh, Nikhil Alexander-Walker. From the Blazers, Joe Ingles is is gone now, out for the year, obviously, with the injury, but off the team now. Uh, does this make you super excited about the Jazz, excited about the Jazz, or are you kind of like, well, still is not going to get them a championship? Yeah, like it doesn't make a difference, but it fills a need, right? Like Nikhil Alexander-Walker is a solid piece to have coming off the bench. He's a good scoring guard. He's good effort-wise as well. He's going to give you 12, 13 points a night. So, it, look, Joe Ingles not out there anymore, so, of course, you needed to fill the void that his uh, – absence left and this is what Nikhil Alexander Walker does and he's a little bit younger and it does sound by all accounts Ingles is going to come back potentially in free agency he's a free agent this summer so you just ship him off you get something back and then maybe even get Joe Ingles back at the end of the uh, at the end of the day anyway so it's not going to make there a difference in terms of like futures but uh, you know it fits in need. John we do have a um, few more tip-offs tonight a couple will come in in the next hour and then we got three late games as well did you uh find yourself on any of the games this evening so the only thing i've got right now i've got charlotte plus three against uh chicago this down to like one and a half matt and this morning uh the overnight lines like the market got a little overzealous it got to as high as four here and i get uh, i got in at three like it, i don't think we have to realize that chicago uh, you know they are slightly power rated better than the hornets and the hornets are playing good basketball they Great. They're two and seven ATS in the last nine, and uh, they're shooting less than 30% from three. But if you actually take a, a look at like the quality of shots that they're getting, it's essentially just the shots aren't going down. They're getting high quality shots. So there's going to be like some water finding its level at some point for this offense. And it could be against the Chicago Bulls team that is one of the worst defensively over the last month. 7-0 run to the over in these Bulls games because they're giving up 122.7 points for 100 possessions. It just felt like a stretch to push this all the way to 4-3. and three. So I took a little bit of a buy-low spot there with Charlotte and took three with them this morning. JVT, I still got trade deadline fever, so I'm back to trades, hypothetical trades here. Uh, yesterday, I brought up the notion of a, uh, in some form, a Harden for Ben Simmons deal. Uh, Matt said less than 0% uh, percent chance yesterday. I have talked him up to a 3% chance tonight. Where would you set the odds on this? So we're just talking like in the next 24 hours, right? Yes, sir. Yeah, I, I kind of agree with Matt. Like there's just... For one side, it just doesn't – like, if I am the uh, Brooklyn Nets, like, there's no onus on me to get this done right now in the next 24 hours, right? It's Philadelphia who's got a guy who's playing like an MVP at this point who seems to have a window to maximize here in the next 24 hours to get this deal done and get somebody – you know, get a running mate for Joel Embiid. If I'm Brooklyn, I'm sitting back and going, look, man, this vaccine man mandate could be lifted here any day. Uh, I could get my big three back within a month, and all of a sudden we're competing for a title. So uh, I just don't think – it doesn't benefit Brooklyn in any way whatsoever to get it done now. I, they could wait until the offseason and still get it done and still get a similar package. So I would say uh, – I don't know about less than zero, but I would say probably like 5% chance it happens in the next 24 hours. All right, we're getting somewhere. There we go. Um, so, listen, we, we talk about the Lakers all the time on the show here. Lakers are a team that everybody is interested in. Of course, LeBron comes out with his, you know, <laughs> quotes yesterday, and everyone's, re, you know, everyone's retweeting and putting that's the headline of every single NBA show today and what whatnot. What are you – I mean, they find themselves as, you know, eight-point favorites on the road tonight with, with what's left of the Blazers. What do you think of this Lakers team kind of as a whole? I mean, right now we are looking at a team that, you know, doesn't have a winning record. 
Yeah, they stink. Like it's kind of simple. Like they, they're just they're not very good. And you know, I feel kind of bad that because it's like the last night they're playing the Bucks and Russell Westbrook like does everything perfectly. He gets wide open at the corner and he's tossed the ball and he just he doesn't know what to do with it. Like he doesn't want to shoot it. And then he kind of goes to like drive and he commits a travel and turns the ball over. Like it's clearly in his head. Like all of this just isn't really working out. And I think at this point you you just you kind of find a way to do one of two things, right? You either you really dive into this small ball lineup with Anthony Davis at the five and Russell Westbrook out there with LeBron James because the, the returns are positive. Their net rating is like plus six, plus seven. Like it's not terrible. It's not great, but it's, it's better than what they're doing right now. Or the other is you find a way to get rid of Russell Westbrook and you find something for him. And, you know, the John Wall trade has been floated out there, right? You can just swap him for John Wall and that's a little bit of a better fit. Uh, the New York Knicks, that's been reported as a deal that would work, right? If you ship him over to New York and you would get back Kemba Walker, Evan Fournier, uh, and then like a mix of things like Alec Burks or something. That would be a really good package, I think, for the Los Angeles Lakers if they can somehow pull that off. But I think it's just one of those two options. And if you're going to roll with Westbrook and this crew, then you got to really commit to this small ball lineup because you're not going to have any success in any way whatsoever if you're doing anything different. Atlantic Division odds, JVT, last week, a bunch of us, including yourself, I think, uh, were advocating, hey, Philly's plus 110 to win the Atlantic Division. This is ridiculous. Grab them. Sure enough, they're minus 165 now. Now we've gotten to the point where the Celtics and the Raptors are just two games behind the Sixers. The Celtics are plus 650. The Raptors are 8-1 to one to win the Atlantic Division. The Sixers' remaining strength of schedule is incrementally harder than those other teams. Philly's remaining uh, strength of schedule, uh, the combined win percentage or the aggregate win percentage for Philly's opponents is 510. For Boston's, it's 500. For Toronto's, it's the easiest of the trio, 476. Any inkling on your part to take a flyer on the Celtics or the Raptors? Uh, I, I think it'd be, if I'm taking one, Gil, it's, it's Boston. And I, I think you talked to Dan Bespers last week, right? He was touting them at 25 to one, uh, if yes. I remember correctly. That's yeah, right. And that was a really good call. Cause I, and the reason why I would pick Boston is only because they have been the more consistent between them and Toronto, right? Like Boston all year long has been a really good defensive team. Now they're third in defensive efficiency in non-garbage time minutes. Uh, they have consistently shut teams down. It's been the strength of this team throughout the entire year. While their offense has fluctuated, been inconsistent, that part of their game has been absolutely spectacular. And on top of that, you know, it doesn't sound like they're going to be sitting out on this trade deadline if they acquire a piece or ship off a Josh Richardson for something else or Dennis Schroeder. So it, of the two, it would be Boston for me if I'm taking a shot because I love what they've been doing defensively. John, uh, listen, we probably won't get to talk to you again before the Super Bowl gets around here. So do want to get your thoughts on that as everyone on that. I can't uh, imagine you have any thoughts. You know, I mean, that's not that not that you would you like anybody else around here has has thoughts on all this. So what are you what bets? What's your favorite bet you have in your account? And then what's just your thought on the game as a whole? Uh, Matt, I'm an NBA insider, so please, uh, I have nothing <laughs> on this. Uh, no, I, so on Sunday after the conference championship games were over, I laid three and a half with the Rams. You know, I just I like this matchup a lot with them. I, I think that their defensive front is going to have a little bit of a mismatch with that offensive line. I think Matthew Stafford, when you look at him and the way that he plays in terms of this offense being, I think, a lot more pass-heavy than people initially realized, right? I think when you think of the Rams, I think the general person would think it's a run-heavy attack, but then the opposite. Stafford's been uber-aggressive, average up the target nine yards downfield. It's one of the worst defenses in the NFL in terms of air yards allowed. So I think it just fits really well with what the Rams want to do on both sides of the ball. So I laid it with three and a half. And as far as my favorite bet goes, uh, I will go to the NBA cross-sports prop offered at the Superbook. Uh, Evan McPherson plus two and a half points versus Joel Embiid free throws made. Uh, They're playing the <laughs> Cleveland Cavaliers. Uh, and Embiid nice. averages like nine free throws made per game. 
Uh, and so, like, if you have, like, an otherworldly game, then you're, you're kind of screwed here. But Zach, Zach Taylor's been sending McPherson out for everything. He's averaging 12 points a game in the pre in the postseason. He'll send them out for whatever if they're in scoring position. So, I need, like, a, an 11, 12, 13 point or a 13-made free throw night for Joel Embiid to get screwed there. And while he's a master at doing that, it's a really big night against a Cavs team that doesn't foul. They're second in defensive free throw rate. So, that would be my favorite uh, that I have in the pocket. Wow. Um there's a football game on Sunday. There, there, hey, hey, John, I've been asking this of everyone: Are you, you a heads guy or a tails guy? Or are you a waffler? Because we, uh, we've got we've got everybody on set here. Like, what, what are you? What, what do you go with? Uh, we're the Vegas Stats and Information Network. We're analytically sound, uh, and if I remember correctly, tails never fails. So there on. it is. Mm. There it is. There Science. It is. JVT, uh, we got about thirty seconds here. The Hornets tip off in about five minutes, hosting the Bulls. Who you got? Yeah, I took three with the with the Hornets. Yeah, d- defensively, uh, I think there's uh, some problems with the Chicago Bulls. They've actually been one of the worst defensive teams uh, over the last two months now in Chicago, and that ties into the loss of Caruso and Ball. But yeah, I took three here with uh, Charlotte. So uh, I got the I got the number right, and I've been reading the market right the last couple of days. But that has not mattered lately. So hopefully that matters. Oh, oh I know about that CLV sometimes, JVT. Sometimes it just oh. doesn't matter. Well, when I get it, under man. 216 and a half and Enes Cantor drains a three to beat me by a hook on an under, <laughs> I, I'm a little salty. Yeah, I can understand. Thank you, John. I appreciate it. Enjoy the, uh, the big game if we don't talk before then. Yeah, good to talk to you guys. Thank you. Jonathan Von Tobel, everybody, at me, JVT, on the old Twitter machine, our senior NBA analyst. Uh, again, he is on the – who do you say? He's on the Hornets? Yes. Yeah, Hornets. Kelly? Yep. Yeah, on the Hornets, Hornets tonight. Hornets plus three, plus though. The that number is, is long gone. Oh, long gone. Oh, oh well, there you go. Uh, coming back, let's talk Super Bowl 56, where it stands right now. Line, I should say, spread in total. We'll do that next right here on Beeson's Primetime Action. You are looking live at Primetime Action with Gil Alexander and Matt Brown on Beeson, the sports betting network. You know that VEASAN is the best place to get all the betting insights for the big game. And right now you can sign up to get our free big game betting guide. How about that? It's a digital guide that gives you trends, strategies, props to watch, and tips from all of our experts. Visit VEASAN.com slash Super Bowl to get your free guide and get ready for the biggest football betting action of the year. Super Bowl 56. Skill Alexander, Matt Brown, Kelly Bidlin. It's my last day in quarantine. It's my last show in quarantine. Oh, yeah. Hey, supposedly. Yeah. Supposedly. We'll you see. Know, what are you trying to maybe say? Maybe the what bike lock will be on the door when you get here. You know, who knows? <laughs> like, we, we, might, we might keep you out. Uh, you know? I can't get through the bike lock. Hey. Can I get through that? Oh, thing? he's. And, and here's. The, and the masks are gone as of tomorrow, Gil. So, I mean, it's just, you know, it's. Uh, so can you now hold on? I've been in quarantine, so I've missed all of this. Are the masks gone for real? Well, a press conference tomorrow at ten a.m. So that's wow. The, yeah. So this this is happening in multiple states yes, too. Yes, yes, yes. California, New York, Oregon, Connecticut, New Jersey, uh, all of that. But we have a we have one for Nevada tomorrow morning, ten a.m. So it seems like that's uh, that's where this is going. We got a good tweet here, so I, I want to uh, oh, I want to read please. this one. Yes, this is from Jason H. And he says, with it more and more likely that Henderson is going to go for the Rams, would you get in on the Acres under yards before it's confirmed, or will the money soon to come in uh, on the over, no matter what the news? Actually, I think that that would be big enough news to where it might kind of make people hesitant to bet the over. So, if you're looking to bet the under anyway, 
I would go ahead and do it now because I think that they would make again we we're we're still getting where the casual fan hasn't really even paid attention to the news all that much yet and so when they get in starting kind of tomorrow and Friday Saturday for sure uh, I think that they would make a big enough deal of that 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 Williams is going to go to where I think there would be some hesitancy for people to come in on the over on the acres deal. So that's a really good question. I think if you're, if you were leaning towards that direction as it was anyway, I'd probably go ahead and get in on it because I do think that that would keep even the general public going, wait a minute. So they're going to split carries three ways now. Like I, I think that that might be enough to, to kind of keep them from just pounding the over. Yeah. I, uh, I, I texted you about it today. Cause I know it was one you were eyeing as well, Matt. I, I went and bet it today. Yeah. It, it got up to 65 and a half in a shop here in town in Vegas. So I, I bet the under on acres. I don't want to wait for, yeah, I think that news comes out. Yes. Those numbers, I mean, they have to come down. They're going to come down drastically. So I, I think it's kind of a good bet anyways. You know, I think we've kind of, Talked about that, you know, at length a bit. Anyways, with the running game there, so if if Henderson comes back in, though, for sure I like that bet. So he get he got up sixty five and a half. I don't really know if I've seen that high of a number elsewhere in the country yet. So I decided to pull the trigger today. What is the uh, game script, Matt? That that would. And I guess this would go against the way you're betting your props. Mm. But what's the game? What's the game script that would just shock you the most? Like we, you had, we all had a bad Super Bowl last year. The three of yeah. us in the in the uh, Super Bowl between the Bucks and the Chiefs. That, that didn't is go under, our way. That is underselling it, Gil. Yeah, I had a <laughs> oh, disastrous yes. Super Bowl last yes. year. Yes, the you, complete kept disaster. It, right? Yeah, I bet it. Yeah, I bet yes. it three more times in the game. Going, there's yeah. no way this is going to keep going like this. And then it was like, yes. So, so I just so made a just, bad so, situation exponentially worse. Yes. Yeah. So, so that's actually, I'm glad you brought that up, right? Cause it would have been one thing if it was just pre-flop, but you kept hitting it. What's the <laughs> scenario? What's the scenario in this game where you have the exact same reaction, Matt, where you're like, this can't keep happening and you keep going in there and pounding it much to your detriment. What yeah. is it? I mean, it would I, honestly, the, of the three that I kind of feel like are, are the most, are the most logical for the way this plays out. The one that just, I can't really get to is a complete, Bengals blowout, right? Like they come out and next thing you know, they're the ones that are up 20 points on the Rams as opposed to the opposite way around. Like with the way that, with the way that that defense I imagine is going to play them, I don't think it's going to lend for big, huge plays from Cincinnati. I think they're going to have to be kind of longer, methodical drives. And I think that their game plan for for optimal success is going to have to be kind of that as well, right? Get the ball out super quickly, get the ball out of Burrow's hands so he doesn't feel the pressure, doesn't get sacked a ton. And they're just going to have to kind of chip away down the field. So for me, the somehow Cincinnati getting out into a into a huge lead is the one that I haven't really factored in all that much now and this is something that we can't factor in the way that that does get there is they get the ball first. They go down, they score Rams, get the ball. Stafford throws a pick six or throws a pick down at the other end. And it's a short field for them to score. And then now that, you know, that does kind of flip the game on his head, but obviously we can't predict interceptions. We can't predict pick sixes or anything like that. I mean, that's kind of the only way that I see that really getting in that kind of game state, but that would be the one that is the most would be the most shocking to me for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I think on that, like on that side of things too, though, it's like the the Rams. I have a hard time 
believing that like they're ever out of it at any point either because of the because of the defense and, and the offensive line that we've been talking about for two weeks now yeah. just the the strength and the weakness uh, you know on those two sides for each team that even if the Rams are down 14 to 17 points I think that defense can help their offense just as much get right back in the game with you know a big couple big sacks and strip you know a strip sack a pit a pick who knows um I, that defense could end up being way, far more important than the offense on and the other thing is we, we have the two best quarterbacks in the NFL versus the Blitz. Like, the the two best quarterbacks in the NFL versus the Blitz. Both teams know that. Both teams know, and, and since your quarterback is so awesome against the Blitz, you know exactly how effective it is whenever the other team blitzes you. So you're not going to do that to the other guy. So I think we're going to have both teams kind of sitting back in coverage, dropping back, making the quarterbacks kind of kind of pick it down the field, you know, again like a lot of a lot of the defenses did to Patrick Mahomes all season long. I think we see kind of a lot of that that kind of game plan here with these guys as well, you know, and so I don't see a lot of big plays. I don't see these, you know, two real quick scores from either one of these teams or anything like that. So yeah, I just I think that that would be the most the most shocking to me um would be would be a Bengals kind of getting up 17, 20 points, something like that early on. The only, the only thing about that though, cause you, cause mm. your instinct is, is like not your instinct, but, but one's yeah. instinct is to, is to be like, ah, well that, you know, the, what, what's the likelihood of that? Except for the fact that we've seen the Rams have these games, yeah. right? Whether it was the Titans, the Titans sort of leaps to mind, but there was that weird game early in the season against the Cardinals where they got crushed also. Um, Kelly and I called that like the weirdest outcome of the first third of the season. So you just, you just, there is that little thing in your head, right? Where you're like, I hope it's not one of those games. Yeah. I, I, and the, the other, the, the other thing I think too about this is whenever we, we kind of take a look at, at Stafford, I mean, 14 of his 18, I think it was 14 of his 18 interceptions or whatever during the regular season all came against just drop guys dropping into coverage, right? I mean, just kind of sitting back with, with, with kind of eight guys out there, just, just playing cover. And, and that was one of the things that we talked about and we harped on with Stafford this year was for whatever reason, the longer he, the long, the more time he had, the worse he was as opposed to the opposite way around, which is very, very odd. And, you know, um, I'm sure they will work on ways to 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 get that out of the out of his system as well. Maybe there's some quick hitters on on their part. Even if he does have time, they just want to try to get the ball out of his hand a little bit faster and not have him sit there and try to do too much because that seems to be when they're at their worst. Right, is when he's trying to do too much, force the ball into some windows there where he doesn't quite see how they're covering him, how, how they're how they're dropped back, they're disguising some stuff on him, and then he ends up throwing some some really untimely picks. And so, uh, I. You know, again, I think these offenses move the ball. I think they score. I just don't think it's one of these like lightning fast, you know, drives where, you know, we're looking up and there's a 50 yard touchdown and then they get the ball back and oh no, here comes another 40 yard touchdown. I just don't see that happening. In, in the, uh, in the spirit of having two weeks to dissect mm-hmm. this game, every which way, here's this question between Stafford and Burrow, who in your opinion is more likely if I told you that the stage was too big for one of them. Who is more likely to have been the answer to that statement? I know that people are going to say, like, "Dude, you're being such an incredible homer in in all this." But I mean, I I think it's Stafford. I mean, if you look, when was the last big game Stafford played? I mean, he played a decade in Detroit. They, you know, I mean, they're they were the majority of the time he was there. They were a losing team, losing franchise. They were he was always playing from behind and and things like that. Where Burrow, I mean, if you kind of look 
all the guys done here recently is play in big games. He played in the SEC against, you know, really big time opponents, goes in the national championship game, plays like a champion in that, gets the number one overall pick, goes right in the NFL. Gil, we've talked about a million times on here. Between him and Herbert, these two rookies just look like they're veterans, you know, I mean, coming in and, and the way that he's played and then goes in and wins three, three playoff games. So, I mean, I, I think he's proven – that he can kind of handle anything, kind of take anything here, and if anything, it might be Stafford with a little bit of a little bit of added pressure. I mean, not that L.A. is his home by any stretch of the imagination, but you know, whatever their their team is based out of where this game is played, and you know, all the all the stuff surrounding him over the last decade is can the guy win the big one? Guys, uh, we don't usually set ground rules for an interview, but uh, coming up after the break, Joe Theismann is yes. on the show. Uh, it's, it's so you, Gil. A, you get all 10 yeah. minutes or whatever, 11 minutes. Here, here's, what I, here's what I need from you two. I'm going to fanboy a couple questions. I won't be able to help myself. Then you're going to have to stop me, man. You're going to have to like, talk about the game. <laughs> I'm going to grab Gotta a cup of coffee. <laughs> <laughs> Joe Theismann, Super Bowl champion of uh, Super Bowl 17, 1982, Washington football team, and Super Bowl MVP. From, excuse me, an NFL MVP, rather. Pardon me, Super Bowl MVP, uh, never. Super Bowl champion from 1982, NFL MVP in 1983, joins us to talk about Super Bowl 56. We'll do that next, right here on VEASAN's Primetime Action. Whether it's your first time betting, or you've been gambling for years. Have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save 40% site-wide. Get 40% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. You are looking live at primetime action with Gil Alexander and Matt Brown on VSIN, the sports betting network. Drink smooth, draft smart, make it count. Join the action on football's biggest Sunday with the final football faceoff presented by Jack Daniels. Play free fantasy football for your shot at a share of $20,000 in total cash prizes. Head to DraftKings.com slash Jack Daniels now to set your roster before game time. Jack Daniels, make it count. 21 and over only, please. Terms and conditions and other eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Please drink responsibly. Gil Alexander, Matt Brown, Kelly Bidlin. It's VEASAN's primetime action. Ladies and gentlemen, it's my distinct pleasure uh, to introduce our next guest. As a young man, 
I attended many Sundays at the Theater of Thrills that was RFK Stadium, watching Joe Jackson Gibbs Washington football team win three Super Bowls over a span of nine years, and no one provided more thrills than this gentleman right here. 1982 Super Bowl champion, Super Bowl 17, Washington beating the Dolphins 27 to 17, and the 1983 NFL MVP, Joe Theismann. Great to have you on the show, Joe. Oh, it's great to join you guys. Thank you. Always enjoy, always enjoy being with you. I, I would like to ask a, a couple random questions from back in the day before we get to Super Bowl 56. That's obviously what we want to get your thoughts on. Uh, sure. But one, first thing, true or false, the name was always Thiesman until you were in Heisman contention and then sort of a marketing campaign, it changed to Theisman, Theisman for Heisman. That is correct. Our, our public relations director, Mark Roger Valdeseri, uh, suggested the change the, of the pronunciation of my last name from Thiesman to Theisman to rhyme with the trophy. So, yes. Uh, people think I did it. I didn't. It was Roger's idea, and it has stayed with me for 51 years. Uh, Super Bowl, Super Bowl 17, Joe. Uh, it's it's Dolphins 17, Washington 13. You know where I'm going with this. Early third quarter, you're looking at Doc Walker in the flat. He's covered at the last second. You look to throw the ball to Charlie Brown. Kim Bocamper tips the ball up in the air. I think it's one of the most underrated plays in Super Bowl history. It changed legacies. You batted the ball down. Do you feel, do you consider it to be one of the finest moments of your career as well? A defensive play. It, it absolutely is. Uh, it, it, it would be the finest moment of my career because I think if they had scored, it would have taken John Riggins out of our offense. We would have been forced to throw against a great Miami defense. And I don't believe the outcome would have been what it was, having a chance to win. As a matter of fact, Joe told us, he said, if we can get this thing into the fourth quarter and we're close, we're within three points or close, we feel like we can wear their defense down. If we had to throw the ball, it would have been much more difficult. But that play is uh, it, it's emblazoned in my mind. And when I think of Super Bowl 17, besides John's run, I think of how fortunate I was to get my hand in between Kim's and knock the ball away. I remember sitting in the end zone staring at him. And, uh, you know, the ball is laying next to us, and he is in disbelief that I knocked the ball away. And I'm sitting there going, I'm going, boy, Kim, that was close. And uh, (laughs) (laughs) I don't think he saw the humor in it at that time. But, yeah, uh, yeah, that was was an unbelievable – it was was one of those reactionary moments. I knew I couldn't get to it to knock it away, so I just sort of reached my hand up in between his and tried to strip it away, and the timing worked out very well. Joe, let's get to uh, let's get to the Super Bowl this year, and I do want to talk to you, obviously, about the quarterbacks in this. And Gil asked me a good question before we we went to break, and certainly want to get your your thoughts on this. I mean, what we've seen from Matthew Stafford over the years, we knew that him getting traded to the Rams was going to be a massive upgrade for them. That he was the guy that Sean McVay thought that was might be the the key to unlocking what he really wanted to do on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, he did throw a lot of interceptions this year and specifically did that when guys kind of dropped into coverage. He was better against the blitz than he was when he wasn't blitzed over the course of the season. When what when you look at Stafford and kind of his key to, to victory here in this game, is this something they need to fundamentally change with how they run the offense? Because you can only assume that the Bengals are going to just drop into coverage. They're not going to be blitzing him. He's going to have time and he's going to have to kind of dissect what they're doing on the defensive side of the ball. 
No, as a matter of fact, I, I don't see them changing much at all. You you really can't modify a whole lot. I mean, you've you've spent an entire season, 17 football games, uh, building an offense, doing the things you want to do. Now, certainly there'll be some unique plays. There'll be some things that'll be different. But I would say 90% of what they are going to do is what they've, they've done. Um, I mean, with OBJ and Cup, you know, they're not the kind of guys you just don't want to put people on. You know, they, they're, they're good route runners. They catch the ball well in traffic. And if Matthew has to just dump it off, it, it, you know, it makes it easier for him. It's more difficult for the defensive line to try and rush him and, and make it easier for him to drop the ball off. They have a different concept than Kansas City had from an offensive standpoint. You know, Kansas City like to put the ball down the field. They like to run Tariq on crossing routes. I think the Rams will probably maybe run people to more stops than they will run into traffic. And so if Cincinnati wants to play the zone like they did against Kansas City, I don't know if it's necessarily going to serve them as well uh, in confusing Matthew as it did, it seemed like, Patrick. So I think that you know there'll be adjustments, there'll be some changes. But I look for the Rams to want to run the football. They're going to want to be able to run the football. That's what Sean likes to do. He did it. He's done it in L.A. Um, you know, he has the horses now, acres back. You know, uh, Sonny Michelle is, is there. So he's got the people to be able to do it. I think what he wants to do in the running game, then it'll open up the opportunities you know, for Cincinnati to do something and get him closer to the line of scrimmage. Joe, uh, Super Bowl 17 was a strike year. After a strike year, you guys had the conventional week before the championship game, that glorious championship game at RFK and the Super Bowl against the Dolphins. Super Bowl 18, you had the more standard two-week wait. Uh, that didn't go so well. Do you think there's a? Do you think that's harder for one team or the other to deal with the two-week stretch here that's out of routine? And if so, do you think it's the Bengals or the Rams? Uh, you know, it's funny. I'm laughing when you said that didn't go very well. I couldn't yes. agree with you more. <laughs> when, when you lose the Super Bowl, when you lose the Super Bowl, thirty-eight to nine, you have yeah. to assume that things didn't go well for somebody. <laughs> no, um, see, at that time. I don't think it's an advantage or disadvantage to anyone now because every team has a buy, and the coaches have become accustomed to what they want to do with their players with the two-week period. So from my perspective, I think that the, what we've seen in football of, of recent years is that adjustment period where you get the bye week, and then all of a sudden it used to be you get two weeks off, and then you have a chance to play the two weeks before the Super Bowl. Um, I think it's going to be somewhat – looking at what they did during the course of the, of the year, maybe two, three days off. You come back in on Wednesday or Thursday, start to put in some of the game plan, do some of the things you want to do, get everybody thinking about the game again, and then you get into a normal week as you get into this particular week and get ready for the game on Sunday. So I don't really see it as a big deal anymore, as it was for us. I mean, I love playing one week, just going right into it. The two weeks yeah. almost had too much time to think about it. Joe, if we uh, if we take a look at the other side of the ball, and you've got Joe Burrow, and Joe Burrow seems to seems to get it at such a young age here, has has he surprised you? I mean, listen, I'm we can only watch. We don't get to you know we don't understand the intricacies of all the stuff that's going on like you do. Is he at such a a, a young age and so few games played in the NFL? Has he surprised you as much as he has surprised us with his command of the game? Not really. Uh, you saw it early on last year before he got hurt. And, and even then, you had inklings that he was going to be something special. But, I mean, he's had a lot of success. He's been under the spotlight for so many years um, and, and you know, doing the things that he's done. Now he has familiarity with, uh, with Chase there. 
Uh, so, you know, I mean, he's got – he just – he's in a comfortable offense. Zach understands it. I mean, let's face it, Zach Taylor and Sean McVay, they run somewhat similar offenses. Um, you know what they're going to want to try and do. They're going to want to try and get the ball to Jamar. They're going to want to be able to try and run the football. I, I think one of the keys in this game is can the, the Rams' defense control Cincinnati's offense and force Joe to have to throw? And then, uh, you know, we read about Jamar Chase and Jalen Ramsey going to go head-to-head one-on-one. Um, Jalen is, is a bigger, longer strider. Jamar is a quick receiver. I love quick, quick receivers. I love people that, that give you these quick movements because visually you know what you want to do with the football right away. Bigger guys take a little bit more time to get in and out of their breaks. Um, I don't see this as a, a positive matchup if he decides to go one-on-one for, uh, for Jalen Ramsey. I think it's a challenge. Not that he's not talented. And, of course, officials are different in these games. This game, you don't see a lot of flags. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if they let him nuzzle and let him bump a little bit, which I think will, will favor you know, the Rams defense in that regard. But uh, I don't think anybody stops Jamar Chase. I, you know, if I'm a betting guy, whatever number that's out there that he's going to get, he's probably going to get. Joe, we got about 20 seconds. Where can people find you? What kind of work are you doing these days? Uh, I'm working for a company called Medliminal. Real quick, it's M-E-D-L-I-M-I-N-A-L.com. What we do is we examine uh, bills. If you're a company and you want to check the accuracy of your medical bills, log on to Medliminal.com. Let us help you out and be able to save some money. Thank you, Joe. Appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Talk to you soon. Joe Theismann, Super Bowl champion, former NFL MVP. I spend the next three minutes smiling. We'll be back momentarily. <laughs> updating all the scores. It's Prime primetime action. Hey! hey! Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from The Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Have you heard about the social media platform for kids? It's called Zikazoo. It's a great place where kids like me can come together to make fun videos. Videos moderated by real people who review content before it's posted to the feed. I love the dance challenges. I love that it's Kids Safe COPPA certified. Uh, I don't know what that means. It means it has built-in privacy protections for your online data. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network. For kids. <laughs> Download the Zigazoo app today.